Do you like wrestling trivia? Then check out the five-star match game, the Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagney, and every episode, I grill three contestants with five rounds of power-packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Super J Cast. I'm joined by David McDonald. It is Wednesday, the 23rd of November, 2022. This is episode 235. I've got to do this voice, David. I don't want to speak too loudly because my kids are still asleep. The sun has not risen. It's it's 4.30 in the morning. This is crazy. Four o'clock in the fucking morning, this guy's waking up to do a podcast for you people. I'm uh, seeing the sunset, as a matter of fact, here on the east coast of the United States. Uh, that's crazy. You should not be getting up this early. We shouldn't even... Well, listen. This this is the last show before we uh, we stretch our legs, we take down our pants, and we enjoy... A big wank. A big fucking wank. Because it is World Tag League, and that means... For the second year in a row, we are on holiday, jerk-offs. <laughs> Correct, Amundo. Uh, Louis says, what will you do on holiday if you guys take off for World Tag League? Can we expect some friends of the show to hold down the Super J-Cast while you're away? So, yes, I have been in touch with uh, some people who filled in for us last year, did a fantastic job. Way more entertaining and knowledgeable than us. Yeah. <laughs> they can have the podcast. That's fine. Uh, what I will be doing, I will be uh, enjoying the World Tag League and Super Junior Tag League in peace. I'll watch it as a casual fan without having to have a take on everything. And uh, get the end of year awards ballots ready because I completely forgot about that shit, Damon. Yeah, me too, my friend. When you, when you texted that over, I was like, oh, fuck, that's right. I forgot about them. Um, yep, we are there. We put in our Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame ballots. We have these ballots. Oh, my Lord. We are. We. Are, I think we're the most important people in pro wrestling. I don't know. I feel it. I feel we are. You think we're the most no, important. We're not. <laughs> of course we are. Oh, okay. Of course we are. Okay, all right. That's why so I think about it. I know we are. I tell you what, it's scary sometimes. It is frightening sometimes. Uh, the shit that we get just offhand stuff, right? I love waking up in the morning and seeing you conversing with people and, oh my God, what happens when I'm asleep is unbelievable. And, uh, we have a main event or listen, we had a main event, but to me, let's be honest here. We got a main event for the Tokyo Dome, Wrestle Kingdom. That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, and then, and, uh, yeah, we got some interesting faces in World Tag League. We got a pretty uh, fun, historic X-over, whatever the fuck they want to call it. That was pretty decent. So, uh, yeah, we're gearing up. The weather's getting brisk. And that means Wrestle Kingdom's right around the fucking corner. 
I wasn't excited about. Well, no, I, I when that thing happened, we'll talk about it later. No. But now, now I'm starting to feel it. Now we're in proper build up to Wrestle Kingdom season. I'm excited. Pants are down, uh, and I'm excited to talk about these shows with you, Damon. Um, we're going to talk about historic crossover or exover. I still don't know what it is, despite having watched all five and a half hours of it. I can't remember how to pronounce the show. Uh, so this was the New Japan Pro Wrestling and Stardom crossover show from the Ariake Arena on Sunday, November 20th. Uh, before we get into that, Steel O'Neill says, what are the, some of the best crossovers? Marvel vs. Capcom, Curb and Seinfeld, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Bacon and Maple Syrup, Arsenal Dreamcast. Arsenal Dreamcast, that's a great one. Fantastic console. Um which was amusing for the Arsenal away kit that season, having the Sega logo on it. And then when we played away in Italy in the Champions League, apparently that's a swear word. Oh. So that led to lots of hilarious, hilarious consequences. Uh, one of my favourites is that well, he said Marvel versus Capcom here. Capcom versus SNK. I played the shit out of that back in the day. So that's one of my favourite crossovers. Any favourite crossovers Crossover. you're in? Huh. Let me think. Let me think. Uh, I will say, how about this one for you Britpop fans? How about the Seahorses, right? It was uh, part Stone Roses, part, uh, I forget who the other one was. Right, maybe it wasn't that good. Um, hmm, fucking A. Crossovers. I know the Seahorses. That's, um, was it, uh, who's it, John Squire? Yes, look at you. The, the guitarist who left, uh. Stone Roses. I, I, yeah, I, I remember they they had a song "Love Is the Law." That is correct. Because I used to watch a lot of Top of the Pops back in back in the mid nineties, you know, big Britpop days. I actually we're having a conversation about music, Damon. This is amazing. I love it. I love, and I'll tell you what. This past weekend was a historic weekend for me. I know we're going to get into this fucking show, but I got to mention this right off the gate. Right out of the gate, off the gate, out the door. Through the woods, up the street, where the fuck? Uh, Friday night, last Friday night, and Saturday, I saw Suede for the first time. And it was fucking so good. I nearly pissed my pants. Just saying. It was great. First show, I was right, right against the rail, and I get I got to hold him. I had his fucking nut sack right in my face. Brett Anderson loved it. And then uh, Saturday, we had the nice little seats as well. Great, and they did my favorite song. It's a B side. It's called "My Insatiable One," and they played it live. And I felt like you know what, life is good. I cannot believe I'm here for this. Thank you. That is all I needed to say. All right, historic crossover, right? Oh, before we get into that, have you seen any of the World Cup so far? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so England beat Iran so far away. Um, that, you, you were expected to beat them, right? I mean, that was that was like 6-2, right? Yeah, well, I really I had a bad feeling about that one really? going into it because they were on a very well-organized defensive side, and I thought we'd struggle. Fuck I was them. expecting a really boring nil-nil. But uh, they were quite unfortunate because their goalkeeper had a really nasty uh, collision of heads with his defender. Mm-hmm. So he had to be taken off. And I think that kind of ruined their game plan. Apparently, he's quite important to their tactical play. So, yeah, they never recovered from that. And we just, we ran right. We were very clinical, took our chances. So it's just so great 
getting down the pub with your friends, oh, yeah. getting a few drinks in and watching the World Cup, nothing beats that. So that was nice. That one was at 8 p.m. Now, of course, we've got England versus USA tomorrow, Friday night to look yeah. forward to. That was it. Yeah. Or no, that Friday, was Friday, 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 Friday. Yeah, I don't even know what the yeah. fucking day it is. Yeah, Friday. Yes. That should be good. So doing this shit at 4 a.m., England versus USA at 2 a.m. I mean, the time difference is really fucking me, but uh, I, I will be going down the pub for that one. How are we feeling about England versus USA? Uh, I think England smokes us. I think I, I just, I mean, right? I mean, I don't, I, I mean, we're decent. We do okay. We're not a fucking titan. We're not a powerhouse. We're fucking there, right? England's, England, I'll tell you what. Uh, give me a goal and a half, and then maybe I'll take your money. But I think England wins. Yeah, I think after the Iran game, I think people are feeling a bit more positive. And I mean, I like the USA team. I thought you probably out, well, you did outplay Wales and should have beaten them. Yeah, but we didn't. And I think you'll beat Iran as well. We will. But, uh, because because USA, yeah, we should, USA. We should, we should beat you. <laughs> <laughs> because because of that hostage situation in the 80s, we're going we're gonna to take it out on, on, on the pitch, if you will. That's right, Iran. You better, you yeah, better, you better all the, Iran the right up the fucking street. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you. That's what you tune into the Super Jackass for for excellent comedy like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get into Sorry. historic yes. crossover then. So, the uh, did you see the kickoff matches? I saw everything, dude. You name it. Fucking. Bro. I saw them setting up chairs. I saw it all. <laughs> <laughs> So, what did you think of the strategy when it came? Well, it was a nice arena, actually. I, it was. Uh, I'm surprised they don't do more shows there. I think they should definitely go back there in the future. But uh, we kicked off with a Young Lions match. So we had the LA Dojo boys, Gabriel Kidd, Alex Coughlin, Clark Connors, Kevin Knight, defeating the Noge Dojo team of Oscar Lerma, Kosei Fujita, Ryohei Oiwa, and Yuto Nakashima. What did you think of this one, Dave? What did you think of the returning LA Dojo? Boys? I love this. They, they brought a real sort of jock energy, didn't they? Yep. Yep, they did. Uh, frat boys. Yeah, frat boys. Um, I mean, look, it, I liked it because at least there were kind of bragging rights on the line. Um, so I don't know, if you really wanted to get into it, you could pick a side and fucking root that way. Um, but, but the matches, like again, they're they're young lines matches, so. You kind of know what you're getting yourself into. Now you're adding a multi-man tag element to it. And okay, so you're adding another layer, but now the dojo thing as well. Um, I thought it was a solid match. I mean, again, anything great? No. Was it good? Yes. Solid. You know, a, a, a not even an opener, but a decent start to a show. And it was good to see guys that have been waiting two years, three years to finally fucking make their way to Japan and wrestle for new Japan pro wrestling in Japan. I think that's, I think it's as much as it's easy to hand wave it. It is special to a lot of those guys. Um, and it is momentous. They got to pay. Look, I guarantee you, I guarantee fucking to you. They have that money in their pocket and at least a couple of dollars is going to be uh, photocopied and, you know, kind of put in a safe space so that they know uh, they can remember the time that they wrestled in Japan. So good for them. Good match. 
solid match, nothing great. Young Lions match, but a good way to start. Uh, we have a question from our good friend Velk, who joined us on the show last week. Oh. He says, Oscar stonks, yes or no? What did you think of the very tall boy, Oscar? Fine. Um, I think we got a, I think we got a little ways to go. Um, but again, when like when I'm looking at those type of matches and, and and even singles matches, and I've said this a million times before, but like I don't necessarily look for the technical side of it. I look at how they're able to project what little charisma they can they can as a young lion to an audience. Like if they have that little magic to them, if they have a little bit of glitter to them, um, I would I would say fine. But again, I think we have a lot of work to do. Yeah, uh, I thought it was just really cool seeing the LA Dojo guys coming back with their respective gimmicks. I mean, this is the first time in Japan for a lot of them, and you could see how excited they were. So uh, I quite like Gabe Kidd's Tenzan hair. <laughs> he looks like a skunk, but it works for him. And we can see Coglin has dri- uh, ditched the robot armor. He's still got the robot mask, but he's not doing the uh, light up armor. I don't know if he couldn't take that with him to Japan, maybe, or if he's just decided to get rid of it. Right? How do you pack and, that? Yeah, uh, interesting. Like, right, <laughs> you're not getting that through customs. No, he's <laughs> walking through the, the the metal detector at the airport. Right. <laughs> uh, sir, what is uh, that? Excuse me, sir. <laughs> right, you seem to have a have a laser gun. <laughs> I don't. Think we can allow this? Oh no, no, no! It's just a uh, well. Can we? Can you step aside here? We need to do a full body cavity search. Reminds, <laughs> did you ever see the movie The Running Man? The Arnold Schwarzenegger yes. one. The, uh, the Jesse, the body Ventura is in there as uh, Captain Freedom, and he's got the same thing, like this big sort of bulky metal chest plate thing. I think that's what he was uh, going for there. But he's he's dropped it now, good. which I think is probably a good move. But an uh, interesting tidbit here was. Clark Connors wearing an earring, mm. which was a shout out to Carl Fredericks, mm. which was mentioned by Kevin Kelly. Chris Chart goes, who? <laughs> which popped me. Um, Kevin Kelly said, and I quote, he'll be back. Don't you worry about a thing. Uh, mm. Now, I did my journalistic due diligence, reached out to the man. Now, I don't want to give anything away. I can't, there's nothing really? confirmed, nothing concrete, nothing conclusive. But let's just say, I wouldn't be shocked if he does make a return. I think New Japan have left the door open as cooler heads prevail. Maybe that is a situation that can be sorted out and settled down once everyone's had a chance to calm down and maybe salvage something from this. It does sound like it. And and again, great job by you uh, doing the dirty work, if you will. Um, Yeah, I mean... I, I like it. I I I I like him. I think he would be very successful in New Japan. I think that um, I don't know what things have been promised or things that have been whispered to him or things that uh, he thought were concrete but apparently weren't. Um, whatever the case may be, but. I think him in New Japan and having a, at least out of the gate, a decent role and then hopefully future significant role is the best for everybody. I don't know anybody who's going to complain about that. So, yes, I am glad that there is, um, 
we'll just call it a glimmer of hope. Glimmer of hope that uh, we see Big Carl back. And after that, we had the Stardom Rumble, which was won by Mirai. I mean, nothing particularly to write home of in terms of match quality. It was fine. It was fun. These rumbles always are. So I just enjoyed seeing all the different wrestlers coming out with their costumes and their gimmicks and just sort of get a little taste of the the Stardom undercards. So, uh, I mean, one thing that actually stood out watching this match and for the show in general was the high quality of the production, Mm -hmm. the presentation, everything just really slickly produced uh, all the outfits look great, the music, the uh, the video screens, little videos that play when the wrestlers come out. I don't want to call it Titantrons because... You'll be sued. You know, <laughs> I don't think I don't want WWE to have co-opted every single phrase in the pro wrestling. But yeah, it was just good to get a feel for the, the promotion and you can sort of get a sense now, again, seeing this rumble and the show in general, that with the Bushi Road money behind them that this is a a company that's really cooking yeah it did feel like a significant show and and i think that was important because if you're shelling out 30 bucks to watch this thing in a timely fashion then i think expectations are that this is a quality produced pro wrestling show uh with that being said i think they delivered on that I think the stardom represented themselves outstanding for those people who are new to the promotion and new to the product. I think Kevin Kelly and and Chris Charlton did a outstanding job uh, trying to educate and inform and get people over where, where need be. Uh, Yeah. But again, this match, it's a a rumble, right? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm really trying to think hard. Uh, about like significant spots or it was a rumble, right? It was a rumble. I like it with all the sisters. That was yes. a good narrative for the middle of it. And yeah, no, I'm glad that you brought up Kevin and Chris there because they did a, a, an amazing job given that this is not a company that they followed for a living, but they did not miss a beat. I mean, they sounded like they've been covering this promotion for years. They'd obviously done their homework and uh, well done to them and uh, yeah, any of the people who might have provided them with notes for this, just fantastic. And they, they just came across as a, it being a product that they knew inside out. Yeah, they really did. And listen, and you're right, it's it's a product that they don't necessarily follow or, um, you know, when have they really ever had a need to dive into the deep end of stardom aside from, you know, Wrestle King of Dark matches here and there, and you know the one that was in, at the Garden, and then the one last year. Um, so I guess you know they've had to do more homework each and every time. But no, I thought I thought they lived up to the fucking deal. They did. They did. You know, dare I say, outstanding. Um, and again, especially for first timers, I think. And and trust me, even if you're a hardcore Stardom fan. You have to appreciate that. like, And you have to acknowledge the fact that that needed to happen because you were going to have a lot of new eyeballs on a product that, again, they may not be 100% familiar with. So um, they needed all the help and guidance uh, that they could. Imagine, I guess, I guess if you're a hardcore stardom person and a stardom fan, wouldn't you have loved to have had something like this? when you started your journey, right? Um, And that's all that is. And that's all that is. So good job by everybody. 
Yeah, between our podcast with uh, Velk giving us all the information and the great job that Chris and Kevin did, this was just a great entry weekend, entry point for new fans to start, which I think you know, was the, the function of it. And so I hope they did win over some more fans there. Let's go on to the main card itself then. So the first match was Leo Rush, Yo, Yoshihashi, Tomohiro Ishii defeating House of Torture, Evil Yudro, Dick Togo and Sho. And Leo Rush got the pin on Dick Togo following the 3K. So very interesting to see the team of Leo... Uh, co-opting the old uh, Roppongi 3K finisher there to get the job done here. And yeah, I like this a lot. I, to be fair, right, I, I'm a House of Torture defender and I have enjoyed the Chaos House of Torture feud more than most, but it was getting a bit long in the tooth. However, Leo Rush being added to the mix, I think has added a whole new layer of freshness to it. Uh, I'm so excited that he's finally made it to Japan. You know, for all the, uh, the, the teasing he gets about his constant retirements, I think he's, you know, had some bad luck in recent years and I'm glad to see him you know happy and excited to be in Japan and I really enjoy the team with him and Yo and I think him being added to the mix here has added uh, an extra spice to it and I guess we're heading towards an eventual never six man uh, tag team challenge from the Chaos Boys and with Leo Rush in there I think it's going to be a lot of fun yeah it does add a nice little dynamic to and especially to a guy like Yo who you know, I think everyone was before they announced this team. They were everybody was scratching their head, like, "What the fuck are we going to do with this guy?" And it it, it 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 almost instantly gave him something not only to do, but something to work on and strive at, and to make this team unique and fun and interesting and high energy and paced. Um, and and challenge for not only never but um, the junior straps as well and and the junior tag league. So yeah, he's a, he, I don't know he. I don't want to say that companies missed out on Leo Rush, right? I I think that's unfair to the companies. I think it's look timing is everything, but I find him to be one of the more in- intriguing and fun and interesting pro wrestlers, period. And the fact that, okay, they brought him back, and now he's with Yo, who, again, was drier than toast, uh, it does make things a little bit more interesting, and it makes it a little a little bit fresher and a little bit more fun. Right, the next match was a six-woman tag match with Saya Kamatani, Lady C, Azumi, against the team of Himeka, Tekla, and Mai Sakurai. So Sai Kamatani got the pin after uh, pinning Mai Sakurai following the Firebird Splash. And I believe this is the same Sai Kamatani who got in a bit of hot water for doing a somewhat botched Phoenix Splash and hurting her opponent. Mm. So she didn't do it in this match. Uh, but again, I, without knowing a huge amount of the stories going into it, as your sort of opening statement for this crossover show for a new fan like me watching the Stardom products and I thought this was a, a you know perfectly good way to open the show for the Joshi wrestlers and again just the presentation of them the the speed at which they work at it is noticeably faster than the way they work New Japan matches they seem I don't know they, to me they seem shorter and faster which I think is a you know nice way of, sort of differentiating itself from the men's product um, just like the speed and the athleticism of these performers is really quite breathtaking. And also one thing that stood out to me is hearing their backstories and the the really young age that they get started. I mean, you look at these 
wrestlers and some of them you know in their late teens and early 20s but they've got so many miles on the clock as well you know they're starting off at the age of like nine years old and it's that's really quite remarkable yeah i mean i remember what was it last week we were talking and i was like what she has how many years experience i mean she's doing drop kicks in the fucking womb um it is amazing it is amazing what I find amazing is that at nine years old, they're allowing people to train. I find that to be, uh, I don't know, a little, little odd. I don't know. They should be in school learning their multiplication tables. Uh, instead, they're getting drop kicked in the face. Uh, I mean, look, I don't, I mean, if you're a nine year old, I'm trying to think of like a, like how many nine-year-olds I know, and I maybe know a 10-year-old, maybe two. I'm trying to think, like, would they fucking fit in any type of... No, they would not. <laughs> they would not fit in at all. So I, I don't know. It's, I think it's uh, it's definitely fucking different. Um, imagine the parents. Like, like, how does a nine-year-old go up to the parents and be like, I want to go into the dojo and do 500 Hindu squats. What? <laughs> go outside and play. Uh, that's, I don't know. I mean, that's just, that's just how they do over there. It's, um, not- I, mean, I, I teach, uh, yes, at grade five. Right. And I'm curious if I showed them just little snippets of this show and they saw these, you know, larger than life characters with their amazing costumes and cool music, doing all these incredible moves, how many of them would look at that and think that looks really cool. I want to do that. And again, like having a daughter myself, I'm be interested to see, as I uh, expose Esther and Arthur to, to pro wrestling, if there's any part of them that thinks like, oh, I want to do that as well. Yeah. I mean, I remember showing the, those same 10 year olds that I know. Um, I don't know. We were, I think it was just, we were just flipping channels over their house one night and wrestling was on. And so then they had to ask me a million questions and I did get her a uh, time splitters hoodie that she, and a Los Ingo Bernambles t-shirt that she wears to this fucking day, which makes me very proud. Um, I, yeah, I, I guess, again, I th- I just think the numbers just what has me thrown off. Like nine years old is, wow. I mean, again, they're not getting drop kicked in the face by a 20 year old, mind you. But, uh, hey. Yeah. I mean, obviously you'd want the, the safeguard and procedures in place. Like, hypothetically let's say Esther grows up and says to me dad I want to be a wrestler that would be the sort of thing with me driving her to wrestling practice or wrestling school whatever it was you know once or twice a week and me actually being there not supervising but just you know being able to see what's going on so I don't know, I don't know how the uh, the training is at stardom but you know hopefully they do have those kind of safeguards in place because that is an extremely young age to be exposed to what is an extremely brutal industry but uh, let's move on there so the tag team match following that was Suri and Tom Lawler against the team of Julia and Zack Sabre Jr. So Zack pinned Tom Lawler after 10 minutes, 29 seconds with a European clutch. I mean, what I thought they did really well in the show was having clear aesthetic connections between the New Japan and the Stardom wrestlers that were paired together. When, you know, on paper, it just looks like random names. But when you see them come out with their musics, respective music and costumes, and they stand next to each other, you think, okay, I get it. And obviously a lot of, care and thought went into this so this is uh you know a match that has the sort of mma 
theme to it with uh, Suri and Tom Lawler being uh, ex-mixed martial artists, both of them having wrestled for UFC. And so that sort of played into the match here. And it was, just, again, I just found it quite strange, quite jarring in a good way uh, to see Tom Lawler coming out at a big arena with a big screen and the music and him doing his little dance and clapping stuff. Because this is a guy who I watched come through in New Japan on empty shows on strong so now seeing him come out in a big arena and everyone clapping along and he just looked completely out of place in the best possible way with his you know his grimy music and his grimy little shorts and his little sunglasses that he had on trying to fit in with this uh you know beautifully immaculately produced stardom side of the roster so that was very funny to me and i thought this was a really great match and i you know i had my reservations about how this sort of mixed tag thing was going to work i thought it might just be sort of very dry oh you know that i've been tagged out so, you know, I've got to go and tag out the other person. There'll be no interaction between the men wrestlers and the women wrestlers, but I'm glad that wasn't the case. They sort of made it a bit spicy. They had little interactions, sort of grabbing each other, getting in each other's faces, because I'm okay with that. Like, I don't necessarily say that I want to see full intergender wrestling, but I think the way that they did it, just basically presenting this as, these are, this is not like two men and two women. These are four prize fighters right. who are very proud and take their, profession really seriously and they're not scared of each other and you know they want to prove that they're the best and you know they're not going to be oh well the man's tagged in i'm scared i'm going to run out and tag out the other man you know it's it was just presented in a way where i thought everyone came across really well i think that's the key i think that you nailed it and that was definitely one thing i wanted to bring up was that even though in in you know most of the mixed tag matches there was um, there was interplay, but there wasn't like full on, you know, except, you know, you did see a little bit more of that with uh, Tanahashi and Goto. But the way that everything was presented, it wasn't hokey. It wasn't like anybody was backing down from anybody. And as a matter of fact, I mean, in, in many cases, what you saw was were, were uh, the stardom wrestlers wanting to engage you know wanting to be involved with you know getting a shot in on the guys so yeah i mean they were i I think they were presented strong but not like ridiculousness right there wasn't a lot of there that's one thing too there wasn't a lot of hokiness either there wasn't a lot of shenanigans i think i think they, they presented them in the best light possible uh which which you know they should and why not but you know, you. I think everybody's been jarred by pro wrestling so often that it's like, okay. Even New Japan's guilty of it, you know. But you know, I think they did very well here in making everything feel competitive. And that took, came across in the next match as well, the eight-person tag team match with Natsupoi, Tam Nakano, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Taichi defeating Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, El Desperado, and Doki. So Taichi pinned Doki after 12 minutes uh, with the Black Mephisto. And again, just the, the entrances were just so spectacular here where you, you, know, you saw the aesthetics, the very sort of clearly defined aesthetics of the different stardom factions. And, you know, even without knowing a huge amount about it, you just see the presentation of them of, for example, the sort of sort of scuzzy punk aesthetic of Oedo Tai. And you think, OK, yeah, I get it. Or, you know, the way that Natsupoi and Tabnakana, and I apologize, I can't remember the name of their faction, but they're sort of kind of more, I don't know, sort of princess-like presentation with their sort of little white dresses and fairy-like uh 
aesthetics to them. And yeah, it was just very sort of clearly defined. And for a newcomer watching it, it was instantly identifiable, those those tropes, those archetypes, in a good way that helped you sort of connect with the product. And this was a really fun match. I mean, I always love seeing Suzuki Goon against Suzuki Goon. And this was done in the best possible way. I loved all the interactions between the men and the women wrestlers in this. Um, it was interesting thinking about what would happen after the main event because I knew what was going to happen after the main event. So watching this, looking at Tam Nakano specifically, thinking, you know, did she stand out in this match as the person who should be challenging for that IWGP title? And uh, to be honest, she didn't. I mean, I don't think that she looked bad or anything. I was more impressed with actually uh, Momo Watanabe. I thought she looked mm-hmm. great. Like this, this just looked like a thug, basically, which I, I thought was very cool because I've seen her prior to this uh, I before she was in a way, no time, you know, it's just the sort of the standards, uh, sort of hontai, you know, yeah, I'm a good, good person presentation, but here she's just looked like a piece of shit, which was really cool. Uh, so yeah, this match was a lot of fun as well. You know, Nats Poi with the whiskey, she didn't like the taste of that. And uh, the synch- synchronized finish Spitty. at the end with right. Taichi and Tam Nakano with their, you know, the Sensho Jujiho thrust kicks. And uh, I just thought the way that, they'd obviously put a lot of time and care and effort into coming up with creative spots to show synergy together like b- between the, the men and the women wrestlers to show that, that, you know, they did have a game plan. They worked on some team moves and uh, it was just really creatively done. Yeah, I thought it was really good, actually. And keep in mind, there's a lot of moving parts there too. It's not like, you know, it's just a singles match and okay, but there's everybody in that match that, you know, they have a job to do and they have roles to play, but yet they still kind of want to make an impression, like you said. But yeah, I, I thought they did very well. This might have been, was it my favorite mixed? Might be. Might be my favorite mixed for, for the night. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot too because I, I did like the Suzuki Goon interaction. Um, there might be some more of of that in the, in the relative near future. Maybe. We'll see. But, um, yeah, I think this was my favorite of the mixed tags. I also like bits of, not exclusive to this match, but quite a few of these mixed matches where the stardom wrestler would just attack their New Japan teammate. Yeah. Just, you know, for the hell of it. They're just like, you know, you're not my friends. We've been, we've been paired together in this match, but fuck you. You're in my way. Get out. So I think that also played into the next match, which is the Utami Hayashishita and Hiroshi Tanahashi, two aces versus Maika and Hiroki Goto. So I know Velt told us that Maika is Hiroki Goto. And then when you saw them come out, heard the music, saw the presentation, you're like, okay, yeah, I get it. Absolutely get it. So you can see why they, they made these matches. And I mean, this one, the one spot that stood out to me was uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi just slapping Maika, just square in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a guy's like the ace of the company supposed to be you know the good guy the hero but he's just slapping a woman square in the face yet within the context of the show you're like yeah that's fair yeah, right. yeah yeah it's not 1988 anymore uh old tully blanchard yeah um can i ask you a question though what are, what are your thoughts are you comfortable with inter gender mixed tags and guys you know pounding on girls 
Okay, now, so we've got a question about okay. this. So Aramitha on our Discord says, after Stock Crossover, how do you feel about the idea of IWGP mixed tag titles? Honestly, I thought the way that they presented it here was perfect, where you do get interactions between the men and the women wrestlers, but it's not a core part of the match. Because I think, I don't, it's just, your mileage may vary. I know there's people who do like intergender wrestling. It's just not something I'm interested in personally. But I think the way it was presented here with that just sort of extra kind of frisson between the, uh, the, the the tagging situations where you get these little interactions between the men and the women wrestlers, I thought it was done, executed in a really good way without spilling over into full intergender wrestling. So I think if they do have uh, mixed tag titles like this, then if it was presented in this way, I would be up for it. I think it would be a lot of fun. It would be. Um, and And obviously there would need to be more intergender interaction if if we're we're putting titles on the line i kind of always go back have you ever seen that i think it was um oscar kana you know back when the day when she was kana uh and uh, minoru suzuki i forget who else was yes that. you yeah. ever see that no, uh, so I'm, I'm glad you brought up that one because that was one that made me feel uncomfortable yes. it's just something the optics about if I remember correctly, Suzuki just repeatedly slapping Kana, which just made me feel a bit icky. And I just, I didn't like that. So that I think is a sort of good example for me personally. Again, if you enjoyed that, if you think it's great, I'm not saying that you're wrong. This is just for my personal taste. I felt uncomfortable with that. You know, that's the sort of thing I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want my kids watching that. Um, and obviously the difference between kids watching pro wrestling and adults watching pro wrestling is different, but you know, let's understand that New Japan and Stardom are products that are aimed towards kids as well. You do see a lot of young people in the audience. And yeah, that Tanahashi bit, I was a bit like, oh, you know, right. if you have young children watching that, what must they be thinking, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the idea and I, and I appreciate people's thoughts of, okay, they're pro wrestlers, they're in the ring and they're going to take a punch and they're going to deliver a punch. Um. Yeah, I mean, the the there is a side of me that's just like, and I, and again, I reference that match because that's I think that's a, a reference point to a lot of people who are adamant to not have that, um, and they reference that match. And even though, like, if I'm not mistaken, Suzuki uh, trained and worked with, and and again, it is pro wrestling and blah 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 blah. blah. Um, but it, yeah, just the optics of it, just is like, ooh, a, it is. I will say that it is more disturbing to me, to me, than like death matches or, you know, like light tube barbed wire, I'm bleeding from every pore in my body matches. Like those are, I, I, could, I could handle better than watching um, a stardom wrestler get pumbled, you know, like that. I don't know if that does make me feel a little uncomfortable. Not a little. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, if you dig it, uh, again, it is pro wrestling. I'm not judging you. I don't think you're a bad person. I don't think that you believe in violence toward women. Uh, no. Again, it's pro wrestling. But for me, it is it is a little bit hard to swallow. Yeah, and I think it's important to make the distinction between a situation where uh, a woman as a, a prize fighter, as a wrestler, has willingly signed up for uh, a contest, you know, a physical uh, fight with another wrestler uh, to 
compared with situations like the Osprey B Priestley thing, where it's right. a wrestler unknowingly attacking a woman who wasn't, you know, he didn't sign up for it and wasn't expecting to be attacked. I think there's a, a clear difference between that. So yeah, I mean, sure, in that Kana and Suzuki situation, she signed up for that match. She, you know, your favorite airplane quote, she bought a ticket, she knew what she was getting into a <laughs> crash. But uh, yeah, I think it's important to make that distinction as well. Uh, which a lot of people didn't understand at the time when I was uh, upset about the Osprey uh, B Priest angle. But uh, I'm not going to oh. dig up old Graves there. Um, let's move on. The sixth match was United Empire, Gideon Gray, Francesco Akira, Carl Fletcher, Mark Davis, TJP, defeating LIJ team, Bushi, Hiromu Sanada, Shingo, and Naito. So Carl Fletcher pinned Bushi after 9 minutes 55 seconds following the Coriolis. Uh, I just, again, I enjoyed the presentation of it, just seeing these guys coming out at big arenas with a big screen and a big stage, particularly United Empire, because... You know, early on in their existence, they kind of seemed a bit of a random hodgepodge faction. But now, seeing them here in this big arena with Gideon Gray leading them out with their matching costumes now that they've expanded and got guys like Catch 2-2 and Aussie Open there, they feel like a proper, you know, lived-in faction that's part of the, the New Japan landscape. And um, I think Gideon Gray is such a great addition with him as, you know, the the money mark, the sponsor, the mouthpiece for the group. And he seems to have got over really well with the Japanese fans. I'd love that he wrestles in the matches as well. He's just got a great sort of cowardly, slimy style to it. And he's still you know, wearing his, his jacket when he's wrestling. And uh, just the, the little things he does, like when he tapped out in a match before getting choked slammed. No, I've never seen anyone do that before. Okay. He's just, I think he's got a really good creative mind and I'm so happy to see him being a success so far in Japan. So yeah, I think this match was to me a celebration of United Empire and how far they come because they look brilliant. thousand percent. A 10,000%. Yes, I'm in full agreement. Um, if I never see another Los Ingobernables six-man, multi-man tag situation, I would be thrilled. I think we have bled that dry, at least for me, seeing it. It feels like you see, like, take any month in a calendar year, and I guarantee you, you're seeing at least eight <laughs> of those type of matches and it gets to be a little bit fucking redundant and again they have that down to a science well of course they do they do it you know fucking multiple times a month um so that aside the match again was fine and good and you know because again we have we have we have literal experts experts at this type of match in lij They always bring something different to the table as well. Like I particularly enjoyed the dynamics between Naito and Gideon Gray. So Naito is just really bullying Gideon Gray and just winding him up, taking his jacket. Uh, I thought that was a lot of fun. So Naito always adds a bit of extra spice to these multi-man tag matches, even when there's not a, a great deal at stake. Uh, okay, so the next match was the Great Muta's final New Japan match. So Great Muta, Kuzichika Okada, Toriano defeating the team of Great Okan, Jeff Cobb and Aaron Hanare. So Okada pinned Hanare in 9 minutes 48 seconds following the Rainmaker. And, I mean, this is a really interesting comparison to how Muta slash Muto is used in New Japan to how he is used in Noah. So, in Pro Wrestling Noah, obviously, they were leaning on him heavily to draw in big singles matches, which, you know, has a mixed <laughs> responses, mixed reviews at best. Whereas here in New Japan, he is, I don't want to say hidden, but, you know, put in a six-man tag match where you can accentuate his strengths and hide his weaknesses. The strengths being the presentation. You know, everyone loves the great Muta character. The video package is great. The entrances were great. The way that they established him as a big threat in the match was great. 
uh, you know, having those the various mist spots and the green mist and the red mist was fantastic. Uh, you know, having him coming in at key moments, doing shiny wizards and dragon screws. And I just thought the way that they presented him was perfect. It, again, it was just like a, a celebration of the great Muta character, just executed to perfection and, you know, real sort of love letter to the character. And I thought a, a perfectly fitting way to say uh, goodbye to great Muta if this does turn out to be his last match as the great Muta gimmick in New Japan. And again, I don't know if that, that's official, official, or, you know, again, the talk is, is that, you know, yes, the great Muta is done, but maybe Kenji Moto is is a you know the guy to show up again or whatever. Um, one of the greatest gimmicks of all time. I don't think uh, I, I I honestly think top five for me of all time. Like he just is the most like the coolest looking pro wrestler, and and what he did with that character was pretty fucking amazingly fun. Like he really just was was a was fucking cool um he how do i say this politely him in a singles match is certainly not what it was in 1989 (laughs) let's put it that way uh and i think we all acknowledge that and we all kind of you know we know the, the the drill there that being said I am looking forward to not only, um, you know, his retirement show at the Dome, which I know a couple of people who are going to that, um, and his match with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm act- I'm definitely looking forward to that because I think that for those couple of nights, it's amazing what you know a pro wrestler can find within themselves to put on a good match, and I think. In in both cases, we'll see something special. Uh, entrances and 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 ring attire and pyro and video aside, um, I think we'll see a very good match in both cases. I saw that it was interesting here that Great O'Connor has adopted the mist. Uh, he used it at the end of the match. Here. He he's been using it in World Tag League. And he accidentally missed a Jeff Cobb. And then after the match, Jeff Cobb delivered his post-match promo backstage Covered. facing the wall because he was blinded by the mist. It was so good. What a worker. And I just think it's important to appreciate, you know, what a feather in the cap this is for Great O'Connor, who, you know, when he made his, when he debuted that gimmick back at RevPro in 2018 or whenever it was, everyone was just like, what the fuck is this? But now he is handpicked as the guy to be the, you know, the foil to the great Muta's final match in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And it just worked perfectly. Again, the guy, the presentation of him, his outfit, the way he made his entrance, he, he looks like a fucking star. He just, he gets it. He gets pro wrestling. I just, seeing Great Okan being a success in New Japan, it warms my heart. Yeah. And that entrance is very Muta-like, right? It is. And I know I've said it a trillion times, but it, 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 it walks the line very delicately. Uh, between ridiculous and awesome. And I think it's awesome. Yeah, I, and I think it's important to keep that kind of theatricality to pro yes. wrestling as well. I don't want everything to be super serious shoot style wrestling. I like having, you know, gimmicks with, you know, a bit of mysticism or, you know, silly comic book characters. I think there is a place yes. for that. And uh, I think they ha- they have weaved it in really well here. I agree. It's like being in a band. I mean, yeah, you could be Pearl Jam and look like you fucking you know, push shopping carts at Walmart, or you could be fucking suede. 
be glamorous and awesome. <laughs> I stink. Go ahead, Joff. Take over, please. <laughs> All right. Uh, so then we had the eighth match, which is the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship match. So Will Ospreay successfully defending against Shota Umino, 23 minutes, 30 seconds with a Stormbreaker. So this is the third match they've had together and the third time Ospreay has won. So I do like the way that New Japan tell these stories where, you know, in other promotions you might think, okay, well, this is the rubber match. This is the third match. Of course, Shota Umino is going to win, but they don't do that. I like the way we have these long-running losing streaks between certain guys like, you know, this is his... I don't want to say bogey wrestler because obviously Shota Umino is a returning young lion and you're not expecting him to beat everyone. But it's like, no, he's not as good as Will Ospreay. He's not good enough to beat Will Ospreay yet. So, of course, he's going to lose to him three times in a row. And this match, I thought, played off the last one really well. It was a lot more physical, a lot more hard-hitting. And I think the object here was to try to put over and get across the, you know, to put in the old cliche, the fighting spirit. The never say die attitude of Shota Umino, who was just eating shot after shot after shot, but kept getting back up. And you know, he was he was not going to beat Osprey. He was never in danger of beating Osprey, but it just showed that he has heart and he has guts. And you know, played off the the finish of the last one at Royal Quest Two, where Retro's Uno, his father, called the match off in a lot of people's eyes too early, but then he stopped him from doing it this time because you know he wanted to go out on his own terms and you know go out like a man, so to speak. So I thought. Whilst the result was the same, I thought it did a good job elevating Shota Umino in defeat by not just having the same match again with the same outcome. I thought there was a whole different story, different emotions playing into this one, which to me helped elevate Umino in my eyes. Yeah, and that's what New Japan does so well, right? They they don't necessarily have to strap on the rocket immediately. Um, and they get guys over by having them lose, but look and feel competitive um and and you know by grabbing hold of the crowd and getting them into following and and rooting for the underdog um you're right the the likelihood of him beating will was eh, probably small right on you know but the fact that he um you know is 0 for 3 i mean not for nothing will osprey went through the same thing with okada Right, um, and I think I just think that's smart. That's just it's a you have to have some patience. Like you can't you go into this thinking, okay, you know, we're instantly going to flick the switch. And they have done it before. Don't get me wrong. You know, AJ Styles is one of them that comes to mind. But by and large, they they do a really f- fabulous job of no, 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 not yet. No, 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 not yet. You're not. You're not ready for that. We just have to wait a little bit, um, and then eventually, when it pays off, it is it is extra sweet, extra sweet because that you've you you have this groundswell of people following you and rooting for you and cheering, and and that's how you build a star. And yep, I think I think that's this magic helped accomplish that as well. So, and that was the end goal, right? Um, again. And also the the post match stuff, but um, yeah, I mean that was the goal, and and I think they succeeded very well. Yeah, because it's a difficult thing to do to have a situation where you know one wrestler is going to dominate another one and win comprehensively, but still needs to elevate him somehow. And I thought they did that really well. And again, I, I say it a lot. I think Will Ospreay is one of the best in the world for making his opponents look good. 
in lots of different ways, not necessarily by losing to them. You know, he can win, but also highlight his opponent's strengths, which I thought he did really well here. And so, yeah, let's talk about the post-match where lights went out and we had the video promo in Japanese from Kenny Omega. And, oh my goodness, I just had such a smile on my face, Damon. You know, I know we give Kenny a lot of shit. We, we tease him for, you know, his dorkiness, but New Japan Pro Wrestling Kenny Omega just hits different. This promo was fantastic. I, I mean, to me, it's it, his Japanese promos are better than his English <laughs> promo somehow. You know, you can you can tell how fluent he is in the language and he ticked all the right boxes. He said all the right things, you know, blaming the pandemic, blaming the dwindling attendances of the clap crowds on Osprey, calling Osprey a virus. I love that line about all oh, you, you and your Google Translate buddies just, you know, basically presenting himself. I'm the real deal. I'm the bilingual superstar in this country. You are just a, a pretender to my throne. So he said all the right things in, you know, a match that quite honestly, it sells itself. Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega, that is enough to get bums in seats. But I thought this promo was fantastic. And I just, I got chills down my spine, just seeing Kenny Omega featured in a, a New Japan show again. And just the, the thought of seeing them two wrestle. I mean, that's that's my main event. Yeah. Let's, we, we've said it before, Okada versus Jay White. Some people might be into it. Not for me. To me, that is dead. And I'm not saying that they should do, you know, voting to change the main event. We wouldn't be against that, to be honest. But uh, th- this is my main event for Wrestle Kingdom. A, a fitting match, a fitting stage. Uh, we had a lot of questions about this one. Bash says, Kenny versus Osprey is the real main event of the Dome for the fans, right? What music do you think Kenny comes out to? So, yeah, I would really like him to come up to his, uh, his old New Japan Devil Sky theme. And uh, Scott says, Kenny versus Osprey confirmed and FTR have the tag belts. Uh, actually, no, I'll save that question for later. You talk to me, David, about this promo and your excitement of Kenny back in New Japan. It's it's fantastic. It's it's a it's a match that I think everyone has been clamoring to see since it was first whispered and little jabs back and forth online and all that stuff. I think uh, as a as a you know, as a match and a build for Wrestle Kingdom, I don't think I don't think there is a match on paper that collectively the pro wrestling world is more interested in than this. It's exciting, and look, I I don't hate to say it. I don't. I mean, what do I care how it happens? But um, you have to give. A lot of credit for that for, for to, to Kenny. I mean, I mean, people are losing their minds over this and the idea of this and what this possibly could be. Um, it's a big stage. It's it's New Japan's biggest stage. Um, a lot more eyeballs are going to be on the product. A lot more people will be watching. Guarantee it. And and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot more people are are. All right, how much? What's my balance on my credit card? <laughs> you know, let me let me hop on Expedia and see where I can find a fucking deal here. Uh, let me see if I got any pay time off left for the year. I guarantee it, because it's a sexy, exciting, and arguably right now the most demanded match pro wrestling right now. Um, it's going to do good business. And I think every, I think, I think if you're listening to this show, you're excited. You're absolutely excited for this match. 
And even if you're just, hey, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Kenny Omega person. I'm a Kenny Omega guy. I'm a Kenny Omega gal. You're excited because you know that Kenny has an opponent that like, is going to get the best out of Kenny Omega. Like This is a very fucking it's Wrestle Kingdom worthy match. And I think it's it's the build the, the the interview was was perfect. Him like in Japanese, perfect. <sighs> Look, there's no one that I th- can think of, or no one that I've heard, and it's not like I've searched for it. But people are truly excited, and um, it's an it's an exciting time, and that feels good again. You know what I mean? Like it's November, it's late November. Christmas is right around the corner. And then Wrestle Kingdom's here as well. And I think people are already excited for Wrestle Kingdom. And that is exciting. So Adam says, cheering at the dome, question mark. What odds have you got it at? Seems to be more hints that they might be cheering recently. Now, again, do do my journalistic due diligence. It's It's up in the air. It's not open and shut. So negotiations are still going on. So... We're not sure one way or the other hat's going to land, but rest assured, New Japan are doing everything they can to make this a cheering show. And if they do manage to pull it off, Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay, Wrestle Kingdom in front of a cheering crowd, that is the perfect way to bring back fans who dropped off from the product, whether it's you know fans who dropped out because of the pandemic or fans who dropped off because they were more into AEW than they were New Japan. I think this is the perfect way to try and regain a, a chunk of that lost fan base. So... Give them this huge match in the biggest show of the year in front of a cheering crowd and then some hot angles the next night at New Year Dash. And I think we could see New Japan. I'm not saying they're going to get back to where they were in 2018, 2019, but they could definitely recover some of the losses that have been incurred over the pandemic. No doubt. And, you know, it's it to me, that's this is only the beginning, right? This doesn't mean there isn't, any more AEW involvement. Um, I mean, the fact that he's going to be on this show at, in a significant role, I think that's uh, that's a very good sign that we might be seeing other AEW competitors uh, involved in, in Wrestle Kingdom, which, again, that's kind of what we were, we were hoping for, and, and fingers were crossed at that. So... I think I think anything in that direction is is a positive because you're right. It's been lean people have jumped off the ship people have checked out this is the kind of stuff that gets people and their eyebrows raised and their eyes wide open and like ooh, that that's that's something i gotta say and i gotta get my, I, I gotta renew that new japan world <laughs> this month because i gotta make sure that happens and because Elon Musk is completely fucked Twitter, their copyright striking system doesn't work anymore. So you can post all the gifts that Go you for want. Go gifters. <laughs> we can get back to the glory days. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we have got now confirmed FTR and Kenny Omega for Wrestle Kingdom. And honestly, even with those three wrestlers alone, that has exceeded my admittedly low expectations for what AEW would bring to the table. And, yeah, like you say, this is a, a good sign for the... A developing relationship between the two companies. So even if that was it, I'd be delighted yeah. with that. But there might be more. I think it's notable that the Young Bucks are not booked uh, on Dynamite for part of this best of seven series that they're doing with uh, Death Triangle. So we may very well see the Young Bucks 
doing, you know, the classic coming out at the end of World Tag League, inserting themselves into the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team match. And you know what? I'd be okay with that. Like, honestly, if they, if, if the match is something like Aussie Open versus FTR versus the Young Bucks, that could legitimately be presented as these are the three best tag teams on the planet going for, you know, it could say the, the, the best tag team titles on the planet. That's a good, a good way to present it. So I would give that as a pass if they want to run that as a three-way just because of the quality of the names involved. Because Young Bucks, greatest of all time, you know, well, one of the greatest of all time as far as tag teams go. Like, they're, they're incredible fun. You know, whether you, you love or hate their matches, you've got to respect the sheer output and the effort and, you know, the drawing ability of them and all that. So I'd be perfectly happy to see them back in the mix at Wrestle Kingdom just for the sheer spectacle of it. Uh, so, yeah, Scott says, is there anyone else you would pluck from the AEW roster of Wrestle Kingdom or New Year's Dash appearance slash new feud? And a side note, AEW lists FTR as triple A ROH champions, but doesn't list them as IWGP tag champions, which is interesting. Uh, but, yeah, is there anyone else that you would like to see from AEW at Wrestle Kingdom or Dash? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, you want, want to see... You know, D. Bry, <laughs> you want, want to see that? I absolutely would love to see him. I think you'll see Moxley. I would have no problem with Jericho. You know, as much as people like to fucking rip on Chris Jericho, when it's time to fucking go, he can still go. Um, yeah, I've been saying it for months as well. I think Jericho versus Shota Umino is the match that mm. kicks off Shota Umino. Mm. I like that a lot. You know, there's a lot of different ways you can go with that. It's perfect. So, yeah, there's 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 lots you could do. I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't have a problem with, like, Samoa Joe. I wouldn't have a problem with, uh, I don't know, who the fuck else? Who else you want to see? You want to see Hangman Page? <laughs> no, I don't want to yeah, stick, stick it back in the uh, never six-man gauntlet. He can do his team with uh, Farley and Udra again, like uh, back in the, the glory days of Wrestle Kingdom 11. <laughs> okay, all right, uh, let's move on to the main event. The main event presented by Lek Mizuno Gekiochi-kun, 60 minutes limit, IWGP Women's Championship, the inaugural championship match for this new title. Kairi defeating Mayu Iwatani after 25 minutes, 28 seconds with the insane elbow. So, th- I mean, the match was excellent. Two of the you know, the pillars of stardom from back in the day, then the two of them and Io Shirai, you know, watched a lot of their matches back in the day and they were tremendous, you know, real sort of pioneers for top level uh, Joshi wrestling. But this is another example of what you talked about before about no, 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 not yet booking because we had Velk on the show last week making his impassioned plea for Mai Iwatani, right. you know, the person who, sti- who, who stuck with stardom while everyone, you know, uh, Io Shirai and... Kyrie went to WWE and NXT. Maya Iwatani stayed. She held down the fort. She was the leader during the difficult times. And a lot of people, Velk included, were hoping that she would win. And the more I watched it, I was hoping she would win. You know, Velk convinced me. This is very similar to the situation where I went to WrestleKid in 12 to see the Naito Okada match. I like both guys well enough, but I didn't have a strong preference. But then seeing... Naito lose and seeing the response to that afterwards and seeing his face afterwards, that had an emotional bind with me. That was the hook for me to, you know, connect to the Naito story and be invested for the the triumph two years later. And I thought this is a very similar thing with my Iwatani because after that I was thinking, oh, I can't believe she lost. That's not fair. You know, they've given the title to the, you know, returning ex-WWE star and, you know, Iwatani left in the dirt. But now 
there is going to be a rematch in the future, I'm sure. And the next time they wrestle, I'm going to be all in tune for my Iwatani to, to get a just desserts. Yep. Absolutely correct. And that's their goal. Like that's stardom's goal. Let's put on a big show. Let's, let's put on a big, a, a big match on a big show with lots of new eyeballs and then hopefully hook you in and hopefully you become a fan and hopefully you become invested in, in those storylines and you see the progression just like Okada, just like Naito, just like Ibushi. Like those kind of things are what people want. As much as I love the in-ring product of New Japan consistently throughout the years, you know, the, the thing that brings people in is the story. That's the truth. And when the story stinks, sometimes it doesn't matter what the fucking match quality is. This is one of those examples that, okay, we're building. We're building an audience. And I, and I think they did the right thing. That being said, I was rooting hard. <laughs> I really, I did want to see it, but I got suckered in too. Like I got hooked in too. Um, and this is a person who's been watching this product for, you know, how long? Forty years. Well, <laughs> it's a long time. That's good. That's that's what pro wrestling is all about. Um, and when you're patient and you're you're able to, you know buckle into the back seat and let the car drive where it needs to drive and trust it. That's fun. That's fun because there's some bumps along the way, but when it pays off, it, you know, it, it's, it's ever more sweeter. So yeah, I thought the match was really great. Actually. I thought the match was really great. Um, I thought it was a fitting main event uh, and worthy of main event. And dare I say, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of into it. I'm just based off that main event. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some fun stuff come uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, so Spanner, Spanner Head says, how proud are you guys of bringing Velk on since he single-handedly helped Tam Nakano get a singles match at Wrestle Kingdom? And Velk mm-hmm. says, please explain to me, why are we on the Tam road? Why do I have to suffer so? Why do the bookers hate me so much that they personally target me with their booking choices? Well, this is exactly what we've just been talking about, Velk. They know exactly what buttons to press to annoy you and upset you, but you're going to keep yep. watching even though you hate Tam Nakano, I mean, I don't know a great deal about her from what I've seen and what I've heard. She's a brilliant wrestler. I'm very excited to see her against Kyrie at Wrestle Kingdom. But, uh, you know, for whatever reason, Velk hates her. But Velk is going to keep watching and Velk is going to tune in next time uh, Mayu Iwatani gets a shot because he's, like us, uh, all in on these wonderful narratives and storylines that these wrestlers tell to us in the ring. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the singles match. What, what do you think would be an appropriate spot and time limit? Well, not time limit, but you know, how long should the match go for this IWGP Women's title? Yeah, you know, it would have been a lot easier if this were uh, once again a double dome night. Um, but now we're trying to squeeze, you know, five pounds of shit in a ten pound bag, right? Um, or no, the other way around, ten pounds of shit, five pound bag, because it'd be very easy to put five pounds of shit in a ten pound bag. There's plenty of room. It's like five. <laughs> so why would I? Why would that be a problem? Um, I would like to see it. And again, we're trying to squeeze in as much in as we can. I think it's. I don't want this to become Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly. You know that the, the R, we don't want it to become the ROH title match. Correct. Where it's ten minutes and no one gives right. a shit. I, I would hope it's post-intermission. How about that? 
Do you think there's a shot post? Yes, do, you think, do you think there's a shot? I think so. I mean, what matches are we going to see at the top of the card? I mean, we'll, do, we'll have Okada J going on last. We'll have Osprey versus Kenny Komain. And then underneath that, what are we looking at? I mean, could this go above the junior four-way? I think it could. It could. It should go above the tag matches, I think. Although, I mean, the tag match, that could be, you know, if it's FTR Aussie Open, if the Bucks are involved, that could go pretty high yeah. as well. Uh, what other high-profile matches have we got? I mean, I'm blanking here. We've got Ren versus Zach. That doesn't need to be post-intermission. The never match, if it's, you know, Hikaleo against Carl, Carl Anderson, that can go pre-intermission. <laughs> Pre-intermission, um, that can go fucking pre-pre-rumble. <laughs> <Dark match. laughs> right? That can that can happen in a parking lot for Christ's sake. Okay, tell you what, let, let's put on third from the top. So your top three matches will be Kyrie versus Tam Nakano, Osprey Omega, and then Jay versus Okada. There we go. I, I, I got no problem with that. I think it's I think it's perfect actually. Uh, Rob says, start wrestlers that caught your eye coming out of the show and who you'd like to see more of. Hmm. Well, I, uh, like I said, I think the title match caught my eye more than anything else. Um, who was the one on the... Uh, see, I'm terrible with names. I'm terrible with New Japan names. I, I would... I'll go first. I like. I would like to see more of Utame Hayashishita because the way she was presented and put over by the commentary and the placement in that match placed alongside Hiroshi Tanahashi. Obviously, there's only so much you can showcase of a person in a nine-minute tag match. So I would like to see more of her because from the, the little I saw, I could definitely see that she is a, a phenomenal professional wrestler. So, yeah, I would say Utami Hayashishita for me. Yeah. Uh, who's on the, who's, um, the one with Zach? Is it Julia? Oh, Julia. Yeah. I like her a lot. I like, I like Lady C, too. And I'm looking at that it's stuff. Um, the Queen's Quest team. Yeah, I like uh, those. I think those are the ones that stand up to me. Like, if I'm just closing my eyes and be like, okay, what do you like? I remember those. Yeah. And Louis says, what are the odds we start getting more stardom matches on New Japan regular shows? Not just the big events. And Multiverse A says, do you see Bushiroad running these crossover shows once a year or is it a one and done type thing for New Japan's 50th anniversary? I, it's, to me, it's an absolute no-brainer to do yeah. this, at least an annual show. I thought it was a home run. I'm not a big Spartan fan, but I, I enjoyed the hell out of this show. So if they want to run something like this once or twice a year, I'll be all in for it. I think it makes perfect sense. I mean, Bushiroad owned both of these IPs. Why not make the most out of them and get them together? Because I thought just the way, we talked about it at length, but I thought it came across perfectly the way that they intertwined the two promotions and their various wrestlers and factions and storylines. It was absolutely seamless. It looked like they'd been doing this for years and years and years, even though it was the first show that they'd done like yeah. it. Yeah, I think I think it, it I think they would they would be making a huge mistake if this is not an annual event, at least. Um as for shows you know, outside. I, I, I would like to keep it as um, big show as possible. And I don't mean the big show, you know, make it some of the bigger shows because again, why, why waste that spot, you know, just on some random road to show. I'd rather see these. I, I think, I think we've got to do better than just putting the starter matches as dark matches. Oh, yes. I want to see this IWGP women's title featured prominently. I would like to see it defended at the big show. So let's say Wrestle Kingdom, Sacro Genesis, Dominion, G1 Finals, King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah. So that's five defenses in a year. I think that will be a great spot. For I agree. It. 
I agree. And and again, I my, the goal here for me anyway, and I'm sure to a certain degree, stardom is, you know, let's let's have matches on shows where we have potentially the most eyeballs that will see our product, um, and hopefully we can carry them along in you know to just buy a stardom show or watch a stardom show. So yeah, I think at the at minimum, bigger bigger New Japan shows, I think is where is the sweet spot right now. I don't think we need to be on every single show and, and, and vice versa. Like, I don't want to see fucking Hiroki Goto on a, on a, on a stardom show, you know? Um, let's, let's keep it at the, the big shows and make them, make them important matches. Yes. Great. Well, let's move on to the tag leagues then. Yeah. So we've had two shows already. So we had a show on Monday, well, Monday and Tuesday, Coroquin Hall, cheering shows. They were a ton of fun to watch. If you haven't seen them already, uh, Damon, you haven't no, had time to see not. them, right? Okay. So if you haven't seen them, listeners, definitely worth going out of your way to check. I think they're both free, actually. So even if you're not a New Japan World subscriber, you can see these shows. And I really think this tag league is going to be very entertaining. It's going to be a breeze to watch. I don't think it's going to be bloated and awful like previous year's iterations because they've just really freshened things up. I mean, looking at the... Let's look at the World Tag League first, compare it to last year. So we've got 10 teams this year instead of 12. And, you know, we're a world away from the days of like 2018, 2019, where there were, seemed to be like fucking 50 teams in there. <laughs> it went on forever. Uh, so we've lost teams like Dangerous Techers, G.O.D., Tenkoji, Great Bash Heel, uh, Nagata Tiger Mask, Takamichinoku is not there. And we've replaced them with the likes of Aussie Open, Lance Archer, TMDK, uh, Gabe Kidd and Alex Coglin. I, I mean, I think it's a net improvement just looking at the names. I think it's tighter and it's higher quality just in terms of the shit that the, the talent involved compared to previous yep. years. I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, um, it's less sizzle and more steak. Um, it does make some of the, the matchups interesting to see, you know, okay, who's going to go over on who I, I, but I think it's a fun part about pro wrestling. Yeah. On paper, it looks like to, it looks like, uh, it's not going to be, you know, fucking Nakanishi and, you know, just, snore fests looks like it's going to be uh, some fresh faces and some excitement i think and super junior tag league has gone the opposite direction they've expanded from six teams to ten teams i mean just looking at the landscape of the junior division and the junior tag division specifically this is probably the deepest and strongest it's ever been so we have lost compared to last year we've lost despi ishimori and el fantasmo and Watto and Ghetto, and we replaced them with Acura, TJP, Leo Rush, Bushi, Titan, Ace Austin, Chris Bay, Clark Connors, uh, who I know his actual name is Connor Deutsch, which is an amazing name. He should have gone with that. Uh, Doki, Kushida, Kevin Knight, El Lindemann, and Alex Zane. So, you know, just reading those names, this is, yeah. you know, nothing against the teams that worded it last year because they tried their best and it was a difficult circumstances because they couldn't bring people in. But to me, this is... The, just the health of the junior tag team division is you can tell it all just by looking at this lineup for the super junior tag league. I think this is the first time ever where I and all the freak friends of the super J cast discord are really excited for the super junior tag league just because of the depth of the talent. Yeah, I think it'd be great. You're right. It's, it's, it is waist deep in, in studs, like really, really good. Thing. And it, it's funny. It's like you're rattling off those names and then you'd throw in Kushida, you know, just, you know, as like third from last, but you know, he's in there too. Um, it's going to be fun. I, yeah. It's, this is, I'll tell you what, a little jealous of, uh, of these, uh, guest hosts that we have 
right around the corner because they're going to – it's not going to be a slog. Really? We're not throwing them under the bus no. this year. Yeah, we're not giving them our scraps. This is this is good really? shit and good stuff, good storylines, good wrestling to sink your teeth Yeah, these shows better be fucking good. Let me tell you. <laughs> I don't want to – I'll reject them. I'll throw them right the fuck in the, in the trash. If, if you, you're putting out shit audio, you got some good stuff for, right around the corner. I'll be like, Dan, throw that in the bin. <laughs> the bar is high. The bar is high because the tag league deserves it this year. I mean, I would say I'm delighted with the lineups. The only slight disappointment is that there's no West Coast Wrecking Crew or Team Filthy representation. I mean, it's a slight disappointment. And it's completely understandable because with the teams that I just read out, West Coast Wrecking Crew, as much as I love them, they don't justify inclusion above any of the, the 10 teams that have been included. So they've got to work hard and make the cut next year. I kind of like that they've kept it to 10 teams to keep it high quality. So bad luck, West Coast Wrecking Crew. I'm upset you didn't make it, but I understand why you're not there. So, I mean, let's take a look at some of the teams. Maybe we can sort of look at who they're facing on the final block night and make prognostications about how you think they will perform. You know, do you think they're going to make the finals? Because I think it's going to be the top team against the second place team making it at the finals on uh, in Sendai in December 14th. So uh, let's start with Super Junior Tag. Let's do two at a time. So we've got Kevin Knight and Kushida on the final night. So we don't have match order yet. Obviously, this will depend on the uh, standings. So they'll decide that later. But uh, the match we have for the final block night for Super Juniors, Kevin Knight and Kushida against Robbie Eagles and Tiger Moss, which to me suggests neither of those teams are going to be in contention. I mean, I like the Robbie Eagles Tiger Moss team, the Flying Tigers. I thought they did a really good job uh, holding the fort as a very unlikely but very entertaining uh, junior tag champions last year. I thought the sort of combination and comparison of differences between them, sort of the high flying of Rob, Robbie and the sort of more grounded style of Tiger Mask, I thought they complement each other really well. I don't think they're going to be in contention, but I'm glad that they're there. And Kevin Knight and Kushida, it's an, an interesting pairing. I mean, I've spoken for, it feels like years at this point, about how high I'm on Kevin Knight. He's an incredible athlete. He's got one of the best drop kicks I've ever seen. And I think this tour, he, he will be one of the breakout stars of it. And him being paired with Kushida, I mean, Krusty's coming, Krusty's coming. Maybe Kushida's going to turn heel at the end and attack him and uh, become the bad guy that we wanted for ages. But again, I, I live in hope more than expectation. So yeah, it's a perfectly fun team. But to be honest, I'm more interested in Kevin Knight than I am in Kushida. You know, we, we know what Kushida is at this point. Uh, but yeah, I don't expect either of those teams to be in the mix coming into the final no and and uh refresh my memory kushida is involved in the junior uh title match right no no oh, he's not, not. it's it? wato despi uh-huh. ishimori and hiromu oh. and no none of those four are involved in junior gotcha. oh okay i thought he was in there why did i think he was in there um you don't think you don't think they got a shot no, it's it's a young lion. There's you, Kevin Knight as much as I like him. He's a young lion. They don't have a young lion team in the mix Come in the on, final night. Kushida. <laughs> Give something. All right, neither of them are winning. Uh, it was two funny team names, uh, Kevin Knight and Kushida. I think it was Andrew in the Discord came up with Nighttime. So we're going to call them Nighttime. So Flying Tigers and Nighttime, that's done. Okay, also on the final block night, we have Titan and Bushi, the LIJ team, against Leo Rush and Leo, a team that has been dubbed Leo. Yeah. And yeah, I suppose before, I really, really like this Leo Rush and Yo team. It's invigorated that feud, it's invigorated Yo. Just they look great together. They're both sort of flying around the ring and doing their backflips and stuff. They look tremendous. Leo Rush is full of beans. He's so happy to be there. So I think they 
are heading towards a feud with House of Torture. So I don't necessarily think they're going to win Super Junior Tag League, but I think they will be in the mix. The same with Titan and Bushi. You know, they've just come off the back of uh, a close challenge against Catch 2-2. I like the team. I think, you know, even though they are very early on in their partnership, I like what I've seen so far. I like the aesthetics of the team. They just look cool together with their masks. Titan's excellent and always enjoy seeing Bushi. You know, for as much as people hand wave him, it's good to... I think tag wrestling is where we see some of his best work. So I think both of these teams are likely to be in the mix. I could see that one being a, a big uh, a top-end match on that yeah. final block. Yeah, I do too. Um, I don't know if... Like, I don't know if we're going to be seeing too much. Like, I think it, I think the, the brackets are going to be pretty even. Like, the, I don't think you're going to see, like, a team that's going to go, like, over or, or get one win and that's it. I think... It, I think I think everything's going to be a little bit tighter booking. Um, yeah, I'll say in the mix, but not in finals, no. Um, we've got the champions, Francesca Acker and TJP Catch 2-2. will be facing on the final night, Chris Bay and Ace Austin, the Bullet Club team. Now, Austin and Bay, they look great together again. Just the presentation, the aesthetics of their matching outfits, getting to see a fresh face in the shape of Chris Bay. I'm really glad he's made it to Japan. I just, I'm enjoying all, seeing all these fresh talents. So, you know, as far as a Bullet Club team in Super Junior Tag League goes, uh, Ace Austin and Chris Bay is one of the fresher and better ones that we've had. So I expect them to do well. Do I think they're going to make the finals? Probably not. I mean, I think this is a team that I think you can sort of bring back next year or later on in the year to be a fresh challenge. I don't think that they're going to win this one. Uh, maybe they will. I don't know. This is really hard to tell. I think this this could easily be a situation where we get a four-way junior tag match and you know usually I complain about that stuff this year the talent pool so deep I think it is it would be justified I think that's actually a, a, a likely outcome here I think you know come Wrestle Kingdom opening up with a four-way IWGP junior tag title match seems dare I say likely I mean I don't think Catch 2-2 is the champions they're not going to win I don't think they should be or would be in the final I think it's the kind of thing they might just will be pipped at third by head to head or something. And we'll see another two teams contest in the final, just because there's so much talent in here. Why would you right. not take that opportunity to showcase two different teams in the final? Yes, I agree. I mean, your, your tag titles have, or your tag champions have the titles for a reason. So you can kind of ease somewhat easily remove them from the equation of, of the finals and then have the match, you know, wrestle kingdom for, for the titles. Um, I think I think they're in the mix. Absolutely, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think they're in the mix. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a, a significant match in that final. And I just want to throw more flowers at Catch Two Two. They're so great. They are just everything I want from junior tag team champions. Just the the, the look and the work and the the way they complement each other with Akira's kind of the sort of scrappy do, the sort of young fiery yeah, the, the energy of him compared to the sort of cool, lackadaisical older brother, TJP, next to him. I just, I love them. I think they're great. Uh, okay, so we've also got the final night, the, what are they called? They're called Wild Hips, the team of Clark Connors and Ryusuke Taguchi. They've got their little matching hats and waistcoats. It's very, very fun. Against uh, the House of Torch team, Dick Togo and Show, who I've enjoyed so far. Honestly, I think they're getting really creative with the way they do the shenanigans and the interference. And it really, it, it comes across as something that works so well in the cheering crowds because... We had the Flying Tigers against Dick Togo and Show match on Monday night. We're seeing interference spots between Tiger Mask 
and Dick Togo. And the crowd are losing their fucking minds, Damon. They are living and dying by every interference and every near fall. They love it. So, you know, I will go to my grave uh, shouting from the rooftops that uh, evil heel turn and House of Torture would have been a massive success in a non-pandemic era. But that's by the by. I don't expect either of these teams to be in the mix come the final night, but I, I have enjoyed their matches so far and looking forward to their output in this tournament. Yeah. I mean, they're, we say it a million times, but House of Torture is perfect uh, comedic and middle of the show type stuff. And, and you're right. I think the proof is in the pudding where, you know, fans really get into it. You know, no matter what, no, no matter who is in the ring with them, it doesn't matter. Um, they're into seeing them get their ass kicked and that's pro wrestling one oh one, right? And the final match again, not the main event, but just the un- Unranked matches so far the Super Junior Tag League will be the Source Hearts team of El Lindemann and Alex Zane. Just an incredibly fun team. Just again, I've been talking about a lot of the show, but the aesthetics, just seeing them standing next to each other of very, very tall, massive Alex Zane and very little El Lindemann. It's extremely funny mm-hmm. to me uh, against the team of Doki and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. I don't expect either of these teams to be in the mix, uh, but again, they're, they're great. I love both these teams and enjoying looking forward to, to what they're going to showcase. Who wins? Uh, I would say Lindemann and Alex Zane. I'll give that as a feel-good babyface win that, you know, maybe puts them, you know, this, this could be like third from the top or something, puts them in the mix, but ultimately they're not going to be going through to the finals. If I had to pick finalists, yes. uh, this is really it hard. Is. I would say I'm going to go Chris Bay and Ace Austin against, it's so hard. I'm, I can't, it's a coin flip between Leo Rush and Yo and Titan and Bushi. I think Leo Rush and Yo. I just, yeah, yeah, let's go with him. That would be a really fun final. Leo Rush and Yo against Chris Van Austin. Yeah, I I, I dig it. I think that'd be really cool. Uh, All right. Are you giving me a winner or we're just going to leave it at the finals? Um, Let's say, I don't know. I don't want to say some sort of schmoz finish whereby we could crowbar our own more teams with the junior tag league. Uh, uh, let's say Leo Rush and yep, Yo. That's true. I think Yo deserves it. You know, all, all the excitement he got off the back of last year's Best of the Super Juniors is all lost. It all went down the toilet with that terrible, terribly booked show feud. But now I think Leo is the injection of energy and fresh blood that Yo needs to sort of give him a kick up the backside. And yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I think he still has a lot of upside as a singles wrestler. I'm talking about Yo here, but giving him some more tag success. You know, that's where his, his bread and butter is. That's where he, he built his New Japan career so far. So I think that'd be a good way to get him back on track. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm in on that. Yep. I'm buying that stonk. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've run out of time here. So let's look at World Tag League. So World Tag League final block night. We have Gay Kid and Alex Coglin. Uh, I, again, I just love the, to, to coin a Joe Lanza phrase, the dumb jock energy, these two fucking idiot meatheads. <laughs> just, they, they've got just ridiculous spots together. Like they're, they're doing a, a tag move where Coglin lifts Gay Kid in a powerbomb position to powerbomb him onto the opponents. But because he can't see, his opponent just rolled out of the way. <laughs> he just ended up powering Gay Kid into nothing because neither of them can see what's going on. Which, you know, Kefe makes complete sense with this pair of fucking idiots who've got more muscle than brains. So I really like this team. I don't expect them to go particularly far because they're both, you know, just coming off the back of their excursions. I would like to see them in the mix. I don't think they will be, but it's a, a really fun team and I'm just so excited to see both of them in Japan. Oh, oh there's my oh, oh. 
stop Wrap that. it up. <laughs> uh, they will be facing uh, Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki. Uh, you know, it's always good to see Suzuki back in New Japan, and I love Lance Archer. Just Lance Archer in New Japan is always a fun time. I just love this team. It's just like a, a warm, comforting hug. You know, they they won in 2012, I want to say, so they've danced this dance before. And just seeing Lance Archer in New Japan is so fun. It's just like you know, kaiju monster stomping around, pulling scary faces. So. Yeah, I uh, don't think either of these teams will be factors going into the final, but uh, big thumbs up for both of them. I like them all. Give me a uh, scale 1 to 10. Minoru Suzuki's retirement match, Wrestle Kingdom. No, I think he's, he's got... I'll give it a 1. He's got plenty all more right. money to make doing these uh, funny face forearm tours in, in the States. I think your money. he can still go. So, yeah. Uh, all right, so we also have uh, Bishop on team, Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto. They have new outfits... New entrance music. They look fucking great, David. They've been given a fresh coat of paint, so it doesn't no longer feels like two singles guys being put together. Obviously, they won it last year, so they do have history. I think they're a credible tag team. And just seeing the way that they were presented with this new liquor paint makes me think they could be contenders going into this. So they'll be facing TMDK, Shane Haston, Mikey Nichols. Again, so happy to see them. I've been wanting this team in New Japan for a very... Well, basically, since Mikey Nichols set foot in New Japan, I've been waiting for Shane Haston to follow. And... I don't think they will make the finals. I think the Bishamon against TMDK on the final block night will be a decider. Yeah. I think Bishamon wins. I think Bishamon will go through to the final at the expense of TMDK. Yeah, I think I think Goto. Yep, yeah, yeah, I think they're going to be deep in the mix. Let's put it that way. Uh, we also have the team of Bebop Tag League. So this is Toriyano and Hiroshi Tanahashi as the sort of pair of uh, bebop kid uh, you know high school ruffians which is based on uh, a manga i think with two characters called toru and hiroshi uh, again i like the fact that they've got matching hairstyles and outfits that's just a little thing that goes a long way for me when it comes to taking uh, tag team seriously uh, they will be against the united empire team aaron hanare and great okan i could see bebop tag league uh, yano and tanahashi spoiling hinari and okan on the final night really okay i kind of have them penciled in I haven't penciled in in the finals. But the problem is we've got Aussie Open, and I don't think we're going to do United Empire versus United Empire. <sighs> True. So which one are you taking? You're taking um, Aussie Open? So I'm saying that uh, Hanari and Great Okan will be in the mix, but they'll be spoiled by Yano and Tanahashi. So yeah, the next match is Carl uh, Fletcher and Mark Davis, Aussie Open against Chase Owens and Bad Luck Farley. I think they win that. And again, I think Aussie Open are one of the best tag teams in the world and they've really been presented so strongly, so strong, so strongly since they arrived in Japan. I think they win that match. I think they go on to face Bishamon in the final. I think they beat Bishamon in the final and go on to rescue. Boom, that's it. Yes, I think I think you're exactly right. You know, I have a little uh, little rematch or maybe a little uh, other people involved. But yeah, I think that's, that's where we're going with that. Good job. But having said that, we've also got the the, uh, the last match here. Again, not in any particular order. Sanada and Naito against Yujiro and Evil. So again, I'm going to give the same praise to uh, Sho and Dick Togo to Yujiro and Evil. I think they're just, they just they really have grown into their roles and they're more creative with the shenanigans and they break up these shows nicely. And they had a match last night. Who did they first? I think it was, yeah, it was Bishamon against Yujiro and Evil. And it descended into absolute chaos. We had run-ins from Sho and Dick Togo. And then Yo came out and Leo Rush came out. So there were like eight guys in the ring. It was absolute chaos, but it was so much fun. Like 
I had a blast watching that. So again, don't skip that one. If you go back and watch these shows, that one is a lot of fun. Um, but I, you know, I can't hand wave this Sonata Naito team because with neither of them being given any clear direction for Wrestle Kingdom, you, you'd have to take them seriously as a factor in this tag league. You know, they had very high profile tag matches and you know dalliances with the uh, IWGP heavyweight tag titles uh, over the last couple of years. So I can't just say no, they're not going to be a factor. And now I'm kind of talking myself into them making it through to the finals. Actually, mm. I don't. Because, I mean, for me, Aussie Open versus Bishamon, Aussie Open versus Sonata Naito, that's that's a coin flip for me. I think they have bigger things for Naito. I, I do. I don't know why I'm holding out hope, but I feel like they have a bigger singles marquee match for him. Um, I don't know. I, just, I, I would be shocked if he were in the finals uh, or and, and, and or won it. I, again, I just feel like they have bigger fish to fry with him and again this is pure speculation but that's a that's a nice little spot for somebody to come on over and and do their thing um again i don't want to say you know we're coming up on on the great mood as the last match <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> wouldn't that be cool Naito versus Keiji Muto, the that, people with no yeah, knees. Battle of the knees. <laughs> exactly. All right. Okay. So that's Tag League. Just good stuff. I'm really excited. The first two shows were really good. Um, I think this tour is going to be a lot of fun. So don't hand wave it. Um, and I hope the guest hosts enjoy that. I'm going to do my stronger log uh, before I get out of here. So this was New Japan Showdown from Saturday, November 19th in Hollywood. So we started off with Peter Avalon defeating Keita in 8 minutes, 58 seconds with the Golden Arch. Uh, I see a lot of upside in Keita. I like him a lot. So I hope he sticks around. I think there's potential in him. Um, Peter Avalon, he's won this. They're building him up and he is going to be challenging Fred Rosser for the strong title. I do think strong have a bit of an issue now with building up their own heels. They seem to be leaning heavily on the... The um, I don't want to say the bottom feeders, but I say you know the unused members of the AEW roster to provide their heel threat. You know people like uh, like this, like um, what's his name, QT Marshall, people like that. Yeah, I, I would like to see Strong building their own heels. I, you know, I wonder if this is being sort of thrown in hastily because of uh, it could be Chris Dickinson had been penciled in as being the big heel challenger or heel champion to take over from Fred Rosser because Fred Rosser versus Peter Avalon feels like you know a mid card filler match, which. It's a bit disappointing. I would like to see higher profile opponents for Fred Rosser because I think he's a really good wrestler and, you know, not to throw any shade at Peter Avalon, but I think I, I want to be looking at bigger names than this. Uh, second match was Chris Bay and El Fantasmo defeating the team of Blake Christian and Mascara Dorada. So Bay pinned Blake Christian following the art of the finesse. And I like the increased focus on the, the two-on-two tag matches in Strong. Now that we've got those tag titles, all these kind of matches have a bit of direction. It makes it more interesting watching it because you start thinking of potential future uh, strong tag team championship challengers. So, you know, I'm looking at this thinking, okay, well, Chris Bay and ELP have picked up a win. Maybe they will be challenging Motor City Machine Guns and that will be a really fun match. So very high quality match, just, you know, all four guys really, really good. And yeah, looking with an eye on the future, that could be uh, a title match to look forward to. Uh, what else am I looking at? Oh yeah, we had Juice Robinson on commentary. He was very entertaining. He played off uh, in Riccoboni real well. <laughs> when, uh, you know, Juice was criticizing something that 
uh, one of the, I can't remember which wrestler, one wrestler was doing a move and Juice was saying, oh, I can't believe he's doing that. That's not allowed. And then Ian Rigoboni said, you did that to Renarita. And then Juice goes, oh, well, Narita had it coming. I just love stuff like that. It's very old school, but it, it always pops me. Uh, yeah, so good synergy between ELP and Chris Bay. Good team moves, similar charisma. They're bouncing off each other really well. Uh, at the end, Juice threw water on Blake Christian and threw him off the top rope to cost him the win. So we could be moving on to a Blake Christian, Juice Robinson program, which I think could be quite fun for a little mid-card singles match. Uh, right, main event. This one is weird. So Homicide defeated Tom Lawler, 30 minutes, 44 seconds, with an Eastern Lariat. So this is the second time in a row Tom Lawler's been beaten on strong with a lariat. So I don't know if they're telling some sort of long story with Tom Lawler, like he's allergic to lariats or something, but I am raising an eyebrow homicide winning. I mean, he's fine, but you know, when I see guys like him being pushed and um, Ricky Reyes, I think, mm, come on, this is, this is not what strong should be about. Strong should be about elevating younger guys and building new stars. And I don't like seeing Tom Lawler losing to a guy like homicide. A thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, that, that doesn't make much sense to me. Truth be told, and I, and again, nobody, just nobody's hating on homicide. It's just, you know, if we're if we're being honest here, we kind of want Strong to be that machine that helps New Japan guys get over. And that doesn't help none. All right, well, that will do for today. So redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash J dash cast. If you want to send some money our way, we always appreciate that, especially in the lead up to Christmas because yeah. I'm skint and I want to please give me money so I can buy my children some Christmas oh, presents. <laughs> Discord, you can join that. You know, we Twitter about to die. Perfect time to jump onto our Discord. Great community. It, it, it's popping off over there. If you like doing live watch-alongs, that's the place to go. So if you want to join our Discord, send me a direct message on Twitter at Cobra Kawaii and ProWrestlingTees.com for the Super Jcast if you want to buy one of our wonderful t-shirts. Big thanks to Editor Dan. Find him on Twitter at LousyHero219. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows. Give us a five-snake review and some kind words on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at the Super Jcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and goodbye. Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network.